1: Hey, everybody. Father's Day may have passed, but guess what? You still have until June 20th. You heard about it. You know the offer. 40% off the Summit Backpack on OGO.com through June 20th using the code Shackhouse. OGO, the maker of the world's best bags, especially the Summit Backpack. That is a great laptop backpack combo bag. Go to OGO.com. Check it out. 40% off code Shackhouse.
0: Jack, today's show also brought to us by our friends at Proper Cloth, who are the leader in men's custom shirts. ProperCloth.com. Ordering custom shirts has never been easier. Creating your custom shirt size by answering ten easy questions is how you do it. Shirts start at eighty bucks. They'll be delivered in just two weeks. A perfect fit is guaranteed. If a shirt doesn't fit, Proper Cloth will remake it for you for free, and that makes the whole process risk-free. For premium quality, perfect fitting shirts, visit propercloth.com slash shack House and use gift code Shack House to get $20 off your first custom shirt today.
1: House greetings from Southampton from the Media Center here at Shinnecock Hills Golf Club, where, as you have wisely pointed out, Brooks Kepka has won the wacky, weird, um, <laughs> exhausting 2018 U.S. Open. What would you think?
0: Um, I had a lot of thoughts. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I am, there's a lot to chew on. <laughs> I, I, in the first place, sent you a note this morning asking you for the mood because yeah. it was at the end of yesterday's round. <laughs> I expected it to be funereal. I was wondering whether funereal, or not uh, I, will,
1: I, I work with funereal, but anyway, yeah, yeah well, I know what you mean
0: th- there, especially in the media center. If it felt like a morgue for all the body bags that needed to be dragged in after the afternoon round, if folks were writing a, uh, an obituary for Mike Davis for his responsibility, whatever hand he played in, in the setup, uh, yesterday. Um, so I was curious to see what the redemption theme, if there was, uh, perhaps the phoenix rising from the ashes in the in the in the air. Mood wise, this morning, uh, what was the feeling this morning as things got going? Uh,
1: if I had to characterize it, it was a combination of still uh, just complete shock at what we saw from Phil Mickelson, and then just complete apathy, fatigue. Are you kidding me with the golf course going the way it went? But I, I would honestly say around here, most people were discussing Phil more than they were discussing the golf course this morning and that's just in the media center but i think that based on the reaction we all get now from social media the instant feedback that was a legitimate thing because people were m- more torn on that the setup was just uh it's it's exhausting to, to continue to talk about and to believe that it actually happened again but uh it was it was an it was an incredible Saturday. So yes, it was it was a quiet it was a fairly quiet and uneventful day here, mercifully I think for most of us.
0: Well, let me ask you this. So uh I don't want to go, we're obviously gonna talk about Mickelson, we're gonna talk about the course setup, yeah. but I wanna talk about Brooks Kepka because Absolutely. You know, that the, the golf course setup today was susceptible to scoring. It was there for the taking for somebody yep. to do what Tommy Fleetwood did, yep. which is go out there and try and grab the golf tournament out from under the leaders. And you know, the same thing, uh, kudos to Patrick Reed for the early move that he made. What I liked very much about today's round, and I, I don't mind. The uh, overcompensation is what it sounds like I'm detecting in in the way you're describing this. But I'm going to pat the USGA on the back for this overcompensation with obviously they saturated the course with water overnight and the pins were all in flat places, not near any edges where they were very susceptible to balls rolling down and often to crazy places and created a a scoring opportunity, and we had a lot of classy names on the leaderboard uh, coming in, and it was really you know, up to the players to determine amongst themselves who the winner was going to be, which is, I think, what we want out of our national championship, right?
1: It is. It's just that you also want there to be a little bit of that edge to the final round, and they just couldn't go there after what happened Saturday. So I think that's why it felt... A little bit flat. The crowd was a little bit smaller. And I think the players just had a certain mojo taken away from them. It's a little different than the normal U.S. Open mojo uh, rally kill where they're just beaten down. I think it's more here. It was just an uncertainty of, okay, well, every day we've had something different and a lot of it's manipulated. Uh, Saturday was a, a mistake. So the feeling was one of – it wasn't quite the the normal U.S. Open final round tension, but I do not want that to suggest in any way that Brooks Koepka is an unworthy champion. In fact, I'm thrilled that he won this tournament in the way he did because I I, I was really getting a a lot of fatigue and actual – and even concern for the way his win at Aaron Hills was characterized. (laughs) It's so unusual, the only sport in the world where somebody – uh, goes so incredibly low and puts on such an incredible display, and somehow it's viewed as um, maybe not up to the standards of other wins. Well, now he's won back to back, two different golf courses, uh, two different situations. Yeah, they're both kind of open and and links style, if you will. But other than that, the the, the, the dichotomy between the two wins is uh, huge, and and I just love that that he did that, and and uh, now puts him in a very special place in the history of, of major championships in the U S open.
0: Yeah. An, an exalted place. And I, I think it, it bears note here, here is Brooks Kepka's last five U S open or actually his, his yeah, open amazing. career. Cause he had some T four T 18 T 13, one, Now that those are, that's, yeah. that's five. The five most recent, uh, U S opens that he's played in all top, uh, uh 20 finishes, Three of those five are inside the top five. I mean, this guy is a U.S. Open killer, and it was apparent from today's round. We saw it last year, implacable, uh, not capable of being unnerved, walking with a certain measured pace, clearly breathing, uh, and each and every time he was confronted with something that looked impossible... And the Fox broadcast guys, you know, a couple times there especially on that back nine, the shot out of the rough and on, on, on 12, his ability to get up and down on Ooh, 14. That was now, awesome. They they look right. They, they, they were certain, but he was staring certain bogey in the face and fought his way around and played, executed every single shot he needed to to execute to keep uh momentum on on his
1: side and just close the thing out. And, and I mean, just some of those up and downs were incredible. The, there were so many great iron shots while Dustin Johnson was, was not hitting great iron shots and looked a little bit, I think, just just hadn't recovered from the shock of, of uh, what happened yesterday on Saturday as we record this Sunday night. So it, it's just um, such an impressive thing to win two of these and on this golf course and scramble the way he did and the whole Package. Um, I. I. Uh, it just speaks to somebody who has a level of patience, <laughs> and and refusal to get truly bothered. Although he was he was a little annoyed after Saturday's round with with some things that, uh, but he chose not to go there in his comments, as did most of the players. I mean, they 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 addressed it, but. They chose not to go down that path. I even messaged a couple of players who I know are very opinion, and you know they're smart. They don't they didn't want to get bogged down in it. And I think Paul Eisinger even kind of praised the guys for wisely keeping their focus on trying to win the tournament. And Brooks just did that better than anyone. And to to, to do what he's done with how little he's played this year, and and this wrist situation, and the freak injury at the players, um, I just um, I just cannot be more impressed with how he. Uh, looks so comfortable out there with so little golf under his belt this year. And I mean, I had a wrist injury myself from golf and it's, it's a, arguably the worst injury to have. Um, uh, some people will make the case for shoulder and back, of course, but, but wrist is, is uh, not a great one. So I, I have uh, incredible adforma- admiration for what he did. Be besides
0: Fleetwood, and I think we need to talk to Fleetwood. Was there anybody else oh today? Oh, my gosh. What
1: a round. What a round. Okay, now let's be clear. Let's be clear. And, again, I'm not taking away from it, but there were about yeah. five practice round hall locations. I mean, they were just dead center. Uh, but it doesn't matter. This place is so hard. And he had, he had a legitimate chance at 61 that, that he gave himself great looks at 16, 17, and, and 18. Just, wow, 18 was an incredibly great look, especially right. compared to the shots we were seeing for the day. Uh, we heard going in. We talked about it on the preview show. We'd heard from our our, our European sources that he was a man on a mission and in a, play, a special place. And boy, did he show it today! Wow, second it's, sixty-three in final round U.S. Open history with uh, alongside Johnny Miller now. And and the the missed putt on eighteen, oh. that left edge.
0: I mean, it just felt like that was going to be the difference. It really felt like you know when when he missed it, at whatever time that was this afternoon. I'm sitting watching it. I remembered us talking about the golfing Jesus. I know I gave him out as a potential winner. <laughs> I had a little bit I've allocated i allocated a little of my own capital to that, and uh I thought you know what that edge that 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 he just he thought it was an inside the whole putt, and he just kind of slightly missed to the and wow he did not miss yeah. By
1: much yeah he um, called out um uh, he thought it was both the misread and a misexecution, which was again a nice little perk of the. The the microphones in the cup. I believe that sound was picked up by. It could have been could have been by someone else, but I'm pretty sure it was that. And that was that was fascinating to to see that. But they're they're hard greens to read. I mean, Dustin Johnson had a similar uphill putt on that green yesterday, and I don't know how he couldn't have not hit a better putt. It was just it was just a stunning three putt yesterday. That didn't look like he hit one bad putt in <laughs> in all three. So it's a strange green, hard green to read too. I'm not making uh, excuses either way. It's just uh, we saw it kind of all week. Uh, a lot of a lot of putts on that green people struggled with, and uh, not because of, of of conditioning either. Just just a hard green to read.
0: Yeah. Were there other any other rounds that caught your attention today? I know I sent you a note when Ricky well, dropped to 65. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just what a, a phenomenal comeback uh, after what went on Saturday, and I don't know what went on. I saw nothing of his round. I really didn't uh, have time Saturday to to really look, uh, take a deep dive into what on earth went what went wrong. But good on him for coming back and and posting such an admirable round after uh, a horrible day. You know, the, the the one that that obviously stands out uh, for me it was the run that that Patrick Reed made. I mean, several people made runs. Like I'm very surprised at Justin Rose's struggles today uh final around uh, 73 but you know read post 68 and you just felt like that was one that was very close to a uh, a 65 that uh would have put him in a tie and we'd be playing a two-hole playoff uh this evening and and uh he will probably scratch his head at a few things that happened but you know he put himself in position made a nice run and but the yeah obviously the perplexing one is Dustin Johnson he just looked so good after two rounds and um yeah this is what this one's i, I just have to wonder yeah we had a fun well there was I, did you see the wayne gretzky interview when he no, was I on fox it. oh I he was not sensational he was absolutely sensational so myself ryan lavner of golfchannel.com and uh beth ann nichols of Mike peer at uh, golf week we all were listening and we <laughs> we all got up and we all started walking out the door and we all looked at each other and realized, oh yeah, we're all but we're all going to go hunt down Wayne after that interview. And uh he revealed some really interesting things. I gotta go back into my tape and get a transcribed. but 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 he but he really went made a case for 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 Dustin's sensitivity to the game in his his appreciation of it, his knowledge. Um he's just sort of a natural Savant of sorts when it comes to courses, and I, I think it'll be interesting in time, if you can get him in the right setting when he's had a chance to reflect on this week, if what if the setup Saturday got to him, if, it, if, if he saw what happened and somehow, in, in kind of deep down inside, uh, took that the wrong way, it just just got, got, it got the best of him somehow. I don't well think so. I think it was just he played two good rounds and it was it was that day that one day of the tournament that wasn't so good. And then and then it just the whole thing got um, uh, exacerbated by what was going on with the setup and the tough conditions. So we'll find out. I think it'll be interesting. But it, it just was fascinating how his body language and and the whole vibe around him changed from the first two days to me.
0: I I will say this is a thing uh, and I'd be interested in seeing going back and looking at some old stories and seeing whether the metrics uh, back this up. I just have this perception, this impression, this observation that when he misses putts, when he misses short putts early Mm. in a round and finds, you know, uh, something confusing, I, 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 recall this occurring. I feel like at Riviera, I know it happened at chambers Bay. Um, where he he if he gets a little bit um, uh, uneasy about what's going to happen on the greens it 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 he can't overcome it it is uh, in the in the past been a thing where if you watch him miss a putt a short putt early in the round it feels yeah. like you can kind of anticipate how the rest of that round's going to be and then when you when he shows up the next day i wondered i wondered to this morning i mean this afternoon as the the you know the round uh, arrived is he gonna show up with the swagger, the DJ swagger, or is he gonna show up still kind of like trying to find his way? And it's just because of 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 the greens, I feel like. And but it affects everything.
1: Well, and it happens. It's not unusual for somebody to to have something like that. And I think it's a great observation. Um these greens, he 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 again, the Fox Mikes picked him up two different times today that I heard. Now, I was on the course for a while during their round and watched some of it. Um, but I did, he, two different times he called out bumpiness, uh, right. which is also now I, I don't want to say that's unusual for him cause we don't usually hear, hear, uh, his comments, but those cool microphones, uh, picked that up. Th- th- those mics were, there's another, we'll get into it later on, but there was another thing they picked up that, that I, uh, you and I, I think may have discussed <laughs> on Thursday with Jordan Spieth and anyway, but so that, um, the greens may have just gotten into his head a little bit, but you know, they, they, they were, they were, I wasn't thrilled with the bumpiness complaints all week because I thought they were pretty darn amazing today. They were a touch bumpier because they all, they didn't go after them in the mowing. I think they did a single, I just did a normal double cut, um, instead of a double cut, a roll or, uh, or, or some sort of a, uh, double cut, double roll. And that was how they slowed them down and and then just added a ton of water. (laughs) Um, And uh, so, so that, that may have been, you know, they, they got to them a little bit. And, and that is one of the reasons the USGA took the course up a notch on Saturday because they had throttled back a little and the greens were in the view of the players a little bit bumpy. And so that led to kind of, that was one of the contributing factors of that mess. So, well, I think that's, that's the right segue. Let's okay. talk
0: about that glorious mess.
1: <laughs> uh, where do you want to start? Um, I mean, I feel like I actually feel like we really should start with Phil House because that's kind of how the whole thing began. And um contra- yeah, I I don't know. It's it's a it's a tricky one. But I he denied that the golf course setup was what fueled his uh escapades. so it's uh, you tell you tell me what do you think do you think he- that we should we should start in order <laughs> um, no let's with the talk about number phil, one, we-
0: obviously the- we're going to talk about phil uh, okay let's uh, stay
1: with the golf course then. I'm, conf- I'm confused by um
0: this idea that it wasn't the setup
1: uh if it no, wasn't okay, the setup well then, we'll- then what then what was it well we'll get to i'm just going off his answers so we'll get to that okay so the golf course setup. Uh, For those who don't know, I'm sure they do by now, uh, just about uh, if you've watched any of the coverage, you probably know that the 2004 setup here was a debacle for the ages and it cost some people probably the championship, most notably Phil Mickelson, who putted off the seventh green on Saturday, which uh, uh, was just one of many situations with the golf course getting too firm and fast and the greens getting out of control in 2004. So, of course, we came into this tournament with the USGA pledging that they would not let that happen again. It was a moisture problem, and they had all the tools and all the wisdom to prevent that from happening again. Um, so they did a great job. As we know, Thursday, there was a very strong wind forecast, and they adjusted the course accordingly, and we got through that day beautifully. Uh, all systems go. Friday, we had the rain in the morning and kind of a beautiful, uh, unique, clouds, cloudy sky afternoon with sun. And, um, and then there was Saturday house. Well, Saturday (laughs) was a, was a
0: tale of two golf courses, obviously. So this is what I, at least from from what I've consumed, what I've read, what I've, I've, uh, understood in terms of the planning and so forth. We know that the golf course was fair for a batch of players in the first part of the day. Right. And it's not that uncommon to have this phenomena where um you know guys and then you know the the draw affects you know a guy's performance so like some it's often the case that guys who play earlier in the day uh have an advantage over guys who play later in the day or vice vice versa that's not that extraordinary but what i think is extraordinary here is the uh the the collaboration between i guess the usga and the maintenance team um you know uh identified a course setup for Saturday that was intended to pose a challenge with a certain wind disposition in mind. Like there was a forecast for a right. certain amount of wind. And that and, generally happened. And that ge- right. But the they they uh didn't forecast in some way, shape or form in terms of no, the planning. Not true.
1: But not true. okay.
0: Well this is what I'm asking. It's a question. Let me yeah. put it in the form of a question. By three o'clock, several of the pin <laughs> positions were not were we're basically unplayable. I mean, right. uh, you know, so on the, especially on the back side, right? Thirteen, Correct. fifteen. I saw Justin Rose's putt. I think it was on eighteen, where he breathed on it, and it yeah. rolled seventeen feet by to the to the left from the from the the view. I don't know how many other. You're sitting there. You 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 have a good feel for you know what what holes were most Im- impacted, and we know what you the, got them. Uh, those the were the key ones, was. but,
1: but every green on the back nine was the ball was rolling and rolling and rolling. There were just some that were, that were worse hole locations than others. Right. So what, uh,
0: you, 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 you stopped me. I'm asking the question. <laughs> what happened? What, okay. what,
1: what they, they knew what was going to happen. So House, uh, I kind of meandered out to the course, and I, I do this every year. I just tag along and watch them do the setup and kind of stay off the green as much as I can and just watch and uh, chat with Mike. And it was really a great session. Everybody was in a great mood. Uh, they felt like they had the course just dialed in, and I thought so too. Looking at it, everything looked super. The um, But obviously, you know, they underestimate this golf course, One, uh, well, they have in the past, and they did again, just how much it dries out here. How bright it is! How how incredibly windy it can get! And and um, the forecast though, I have to tell you, the the forecaster here got it absolutely right. And I was a little disappointed that that Mike blamed that after the round that the, the wind exceeded the forecast. We went through all sorts of recordings of of winds in the area. We could not find anything that exceeded the forecast in any way. So that was no. Nah, the the forecaster really nailed it. And so. It just was a a situation where it was a combination of they underestimated how much it would dry out, and then they just put several holes and spots that were not great. And a lot of the hole locations I saw didn't really pass the eye test. You just kind of looked at them and you went, well, I can see that's fine. It'll work, but it looks forced or it looks a little bit out on the edge, and I think that's ultimately why a lot of the players – don't like us open setups they're used to the pga tour giving them one that's not easy but they give them ones that look good and they fit the eye and anyway so those that was what i saw out there and and then of course as as the day went on it just became apparent that things were going bad pretty fast when we were hovering around the shinnecock hills pro shop which was where the scoring was uh, some of the caddies coming in started saying they they're losing the course and Curtis Strange told us you guys need to go talk to the players and caddies they're losing the course and then we got caught up in the fill thing and by the time we were in that it was it was snowballing on the golf course. And you know ultimately the problem house is that they resisted the urge, and I I respect this to a to a point, the to go out there with the hoses and and just put a little water on them. The problem is, as you know, if you watch the feature we did on Golf Channel, <laughs> nine minute feature that could have been about uh, uh, 30 minutes on the whole setup in 2004, it was just a little bit of water that made the Greens playable again. And again, it's not the greatest look. It's certainly different than a ground screw at a baseball stadium going out and wetting down the infield. But I don't, wouldn't you rather have that? Uh, and and a brief play stoppage and and bringing the greens back to reality uh, and dealing with the arguing that from some players that they got a bias over others than what we had which is again the feeling that people who play in the morning just got a disproportionate advantage because of something related to setup and and not because of just simple mother nature intervening like at the British Open Uh, it was truly something that was probably avoidable with a little bit of moisture and that's that's kind of where I stand on on it so th- and um and just seeing what it did to some of those leaders and and how people who teed off and finished before the leaders teed off were able to suddenly be in the final pairing on Sunday like Daniel Berger and Tony Fino,
0: yeah, so that's a perfect expression of the issue and the problem, and here is the reason why the u s g a deserves the vitriol that it received yesterday. And then, then, you know, as the, the post hoc reviews come in this week, they are going to get blistered for that portion of Saturday and it's going to be deserved. And here is the reason to my way of thinking why it is well-founded. They plan these effing tournaments so far in advance. The USGA has the benefit and the resources of working with the courses to to uh, take into account nearly every single variable that's out there, the only variable that the USGA cannot replicate in terms of a course uh, setup or you know anticipating how weather conditions may be, the only thing they can't control and replicate is the number of players walking on the greens and how that that those all yeah. those feet on the greens. That it's the players and the caddies. That's the only variable, and you could if you really wanted to get a rehearsal of that, have USGA day at Shinnecock and invite all the members out and say, look, we're going to, we're going to give this a test drive. But I, I flatly reject the idea that they couldn't anticipate the combination of, um, the, the, the sun, the brightness of the sun and that level of wind and how quickly the course dries out and how quickly those greens under that stress lose water and become literally unplayable for a certain portion of the field.
1: Now it's, it's certainly an issue and it's, it's, I think that you bring up, there are many layers to this. They do one event of this magnitude a year. They come, they haven't been here for 14 years. They come to courses every 10 years generally, but that said Olympic club, they've had problems and thinking that that fog keeps that place moist and it dries out in crazy ways during the U S open pebble beach, Frankly, has been taken right up to the edge, and this time of year, it bakes out. And guess what? It was blowing eighteen to twenty-five there today. Uh, somebody up in northern Cal sent me that, and and just said, "Good grief, uh, it, it was really blowing there." And and it dries out in crazy ways, and they they um, they struggle with that. So it's a real, uh, it's a it's just a. I'm you probably hear to my voice. It's just a bummer because I got to tell you the, the the superintendent here, John Jennings, and his crew are so awesome, and the place looked so good. And, and you know, there was another subliminal element to this whole thing, House the greens today were so brown, yesterday so brown in the afternoon, and the fairways are so green. And I know that, that a lot of viewers just watch at home and go, what's going on here? That doesn't right. look right. Well, you know, yes. when you get out on the greens, they're better than they, they, they appear. But all in all, what it boils down to is they take greens to these speeds, and uh oh, breaking news by the way, there is there is it is bustling in the media center. Everybody is moving around. That must mean the pizza got delivered to the, the, <laughs> the food room. Um well, so it's we'll, get, is we'll a, get you to the pizza quickly, don't worry. No, nah, it's okay. So the the uh the situation um going forward is just it's it's so problematic because you just know the quality of the people doing the maintenance, the work they put in, the product that they put out there. And and we are in a situation where modern green speeds don't match old golf courses. We have a distance situation where these guys can overpower a course. So the USGA to keep the that tension and that edge of the US Open puts holes in spots that are extreme. Um, and it's just it's just kind of a well-worn story. And things are yeah. kinda out well, of whack right. and out of balance. And so here it it is it, it, but it's just unbelievable it happened again given uh, what happened last time and the pledges that this wouldn't happen. And so this yeah, is going to be an ongoing story. It's exasperating. Story, it, the damn not it well, It's exasperating be. and the damage why, it does. Why is it an
0: ongoing story? What's the point? What are we solving for? One player was under par as we entered Saturday. Well, so what are we trying part, to accomplish? Yeah. What are we trying to accomplish? What's right. the goal of the competition? Are we trying to distinguish the best golfer? Or are we trying to dis- dis- distinguish the luckiest dude who showed up yeah. at the right time? I mean, here's the thing. As the course dried out and we could all see it drying out, your suggestion, how about this? We're gonna take a half hour. Everybody, you know, stop. We we we, yeah. we can interject in between the tea times. There's plenty of daylight out there. Build into the schedule you know, a half hour to send the grounds crew out at one point and and let folks complain. I mean, the players may you you articulated it quite well. This idea of you know the the morning guys got to play the course the way that that the um, USGA intended
1: for wow, it to it be great. played yeah right it was sensational and
0: then yeah, there was, was there perfect. was a nice um, uh, bell curve of good performances mediocre performances and bad performances exactly what you want out of that test why were the guys in the afternoon unduly punished because the USGA did not properly account for the way that this golf course behaves having in their back pocket all the information that they need to understand yeah. how it might go and build into that some kind of planning mechanism. Where's the plan B? And this is why we're upset, and we can't have any more of this. It it diminishes and demeans the championship, and it confirms, it provides this, this, this bias against the USGA, against what they're after, and it, it makes possible a lot of folks casual observers and even fans of the game to watch what Phil Mickelson did yesterday on the 13th green. And a lot of people just wave it off. Like, you know, that's crazy. Phil being crazy. Phil, so let's let's yeah. um let us catch our breath. Let's uh, talk yeah, a little bit about that. our friends at Callaway, and then we're going to talk about Phil Mickelson. And it's not going to be a good conversation, Jeff <laughs> but I can tell you that right now. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> I, I'm guessing not. Uh, so yeah, hey, house. One of the cool things here at the U.S. Open Practice Center, they had the uh, Truvis Stars and Stripes Ball out there Those in are awesome, baskets by the way. yeah and of course they are still available for a limited time july 4th is looming so just so everybody knows it's red white and blue pattern has the stars and stripes has of course the incredible ball speed the soft feel and the control you expect from chrome soft plus the patriotism built into uh so go to callaway golf.com if you want to check out a little bit more about the ball they're in retail. They can be ordered at CallawayGolf.com, but they're about to run out. So, and I, I couldn't believe how many players were using them around the uh, the green. And you know that ball, by the way, house. Just before we leave, a, f- a few people, of course, were rolling their eyes, like they, as you know, I get uh, I get the heat for using the Truvis, and I I could care less. I love it, uh, and and the, and the sales would confirm that many other people are loving them, but it was developed as a practice ball, so it was cool to see guys out there using that, um, and I don't know if they know that. I'm pretty sure the Callaway guys do, but a couple of the non Callaway guys might not have known that. Hey anyway, now, but they hey might have learned something. They may get some Chrome soft in their life. Anyway, house, I'm heading back to LA. The Dodgers, of course, will leave as soon as I get there, but... The Cubbies are coming to town soon. What am I going to do? I I, have, I need to get to a game.
0: You need tickets. You need tickets. About a quick thank you to all our pals at SeatGeek. Buying tickets Shack can be complicated and confusing, but when you need to go see Dodgers Cubbies, there's an easy way to do it. Get yourself to SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for Perfect Gift, uh, we, what's the next holiday after where there'll be gifts after, after father's day.
1: Yeah, you don't really get a July 4th, uh, gift. Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. But,
0: well, in any event, if there's a gift to, to be <laughs> given, get SeatGeek is a great idea. You're looking for a, a last minute deal to see your favorite team. That's what you're doing. Check SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices. Fully, fully guaranteed. Saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites. You can compare the prices and find amazing deals. And we love this part of it. Most bang for your buck, it's grading the tickets so you can suss out value as you look. Do I want to be undercover? What's the best value if I want to sit, you know, up the third baseline? Uh, you get the, 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 the every purchase fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with Confidence. Make it your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket. Sports, concerts, comedy, and theater. Best of all, the Shack House listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code HOUSE today. That's promo code H-O-U-S-E for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat right now, right from your phone.
1: So, House, did you read the column that I wrote about uh, Phil Mickelson or or, uh, some of the other commentaries on uh what phil did on saturday of the I, u.s open hitting a I, moving ball
0: i did i did and i did and i will tell you my two favorite reads i probably read 10 different takes 10 different wow. and then i wouldn't use the word t- they weren't different there was a common there were a lot of <laughs> common takes but <laughs> See, I, I just the started I reading the most, and catching you, up
1: you are correct you
0: and you and Kyle Porter, I felt like, got it um, the oh, best. Kyle I, read Porter. Kyle.
1: I sat next to Kyle on the shuttle ride home, and uh, I will open it up. I have, I have, uh, I, I just finished Feinstein and Brian Wacker had takes, and uh, now I will. So, what was Kyle's take?
0: You know, basically, that um, the USJA had available to it the clear path, which was yeah. to disqualify him, and they chose not to do it. And on the one hand, you know, Kyle was trying to put himself in the shoes of, um, a lot of folks that consume golf casually and otherwise that weren't that offended. And I'll look at zany Phil being zany Phil, but you also have to like, if you just sort of measure it out, there are genuine consequences that affect a lot of other people in this thing, including of course, the integrity of the game. And you can't just brush that stuff aside. So I, I like, and he and he didn't go too technically deep okay. with the um, rule book, but you have to re- understand the rules to understand the pass that Phil got.
1: Yes, yes. So I I believe it was a pass, and I believe it will be one that that he has a hard time living down. I got hammered, <laughs> on Twitter, hammered um, by people. Just what a ridiculous assertion that his legacy. Uh, will be, I said, perhaps tarnished. The headline, of course, was all they read. None of them actually read the piece. Um, A large number of SEC fans. I'm just going to note that uh, for some reason that seemed to be a common thread. I don't know why, but a lot of Gators and Tigers and and Tide uh, types. But um, a day later, I feel pretty strongly the way the Fox telecast opened, the way Paul Azinger addressed it, where really every former player that I've heard from on site from – uh, Mark Lye right now who's sitting right in front of me to Brandel Chambly to David Duvall to Paul Azinger on uh, just a wide spectrum. Justin Leonard, Trevor Immelman just just trashed him, just absolutely ripped him to shreds. Um, and ultimately, I thought Ken Schofield, the former European tour commissioner, just uh, he was on right before me this morning on Golf Channel. And I said, well, well what do you think, Ken? And, and he says just simply you you just you, you there is no place in the game for a professional golfer to hit a moving ball. I don't know what the equivalent is in, in another sport house that might be turning around and, and throwing up a jumper into the crowd. Uh, I it really it was an astonishing moment because I was sitting here in the press center and we were all <laughs> we were all just minding our own business on Saturday morning, kind of going, Oh, it's gonna be a snooze today. There's not that much going on. I just had that vibe. And then I mean the look on some of the the the, the faces here. We, we really all were in shock for a good five, six minutes just going, did he, wait, did that, did that really just happen? And I'm, I thought Joe right. Buck did a, gr- I mean, Joe Buck had a great week, but I thought his call of that uh, was just sensational because that was, that was a hard thing to call. It was shocking. Well, let, let let me uh, ask you if you uh, I walked in
0: off the golf course. You know I was at the t- the very oh, yeah, end the of my three day member yeah. guest. Of yeah, course, yes, that's yes, right. And yes. uh, you know, I was ready for my uh, afternoon cocktail at that point. I I it occurred as I'm walking in. I sent you a text yesterday. I look at my phone, two twenty eight p.m. What? Wait, what? <laughs> what? What the? What did Phil just do? <laughs> and you, you wrote back me holy, me, holy F, He lost his mind. I mean that was the oh. exchange we had in the moment. What was Buck's call i i wasn't i didn't hear it i didn't observe it,
1: it was just it was just a great sort of reaction that you would hope that he would have and he captured the gravity of it that because i think it was again i'm going now he's a professional and this is what he does and he's paid a lot of money to to be on when something happens like that whereas we're a group of writers sitting here and uh, twiddling our thumbs and thinking about what we're going to write today and watching on a screen and 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 seeing somebody who a lot of us have a great deal of respect for and, and enjoy watching play, do something so out of nowhere like that. Um, and and then, and then to come in after the round and present it the way he did uh, was just staggering. It was, it was bad enough what he did on the course, but you could, you could sense, okay, but he's just going to come in and say, I I lost it. I just got annoyed. I got I got uh, uh just fed up with my game and the fact that I realized I wasn't gonna win in Shinnecock Hills. I can't believe I did that. I'm embarrassed. I apologize. If the USGA wants to disqualify me, they should. Um and it would have that would have been it. It would've died. But then he comes in and with a smile and he's Laughing, and he's patting himself on the back, and he's proud of the fact that he was the smartest guy in the room and knew the rules, and he's just been dying to use this opportunity to, um, okay, now the pizza announcement has occurred, in case you hadn't noticed by the noise. <laughs> I haven't seen p- some of these people move this quickly in years. So, But to, to suggest that he was thinking about at some point on the 15th green at Augusta employing this tactic. Um, and then to tell people who believed he was bending the spirit of the rules to to toughen up—that's uh, what led me to sit down and just say this is devastating on a lot of fronts. And ultimately, I think those who were were, were pushing back—I I understand that they they love Phil and they they feel like saying that is is out of line. But I wrote it from a place of thinking of how his peers are going to react, and I'm pretty sure that as the night went on, some of those little those little nuggets that came out that he called Mike Davis, that he was questioning things, and his, and, and Amy revealed the day his wife that 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 he was beginning to regret this, that he did begin to think forget the forget the fans' perception, forget the media's perception, he has to think about the perception of his fellow uh, players and his peers out here. And I'm guessing as they now wrap up the tournament and watch it, they are not going to think very highly of what he did. Well, I,
0: yeah. We're, we're going to get there. Let there be no doubt. I wish I could gamble on this. Cause none of my picks for the week really hit. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh that we are, there is no doubt that we are going to get contrite Phil. We're going to get chastened, Phil. He's going to say, now that I've had the time to reflect and think about this, I hold nothing mm. more. I mean, I can almost write it myself. Mm. Uh, I, there's nothing more important to me than the integrity of the game and what I did uh, w- was not in, in line with, with the regard in which I hold the game. I mean, I'm telling you, he should hire me. I'd come in and write it for him tonight, but it's a it it, it he, he disgraced himself. There's just no way around it, right? It, no, it, it, no. it could be funny and it could be ha-ha, but the problem is with him finishing. here. Two, two, uh, two impacts. Money. There are guys around him that are going to be impacted by his place, his finish. He's going to accept the check for his finish this week and Ryder cup points. Now, I don't know where, whether or not Ryder cup points are going to be, are, are going to matter for how far down he finished on this leaderboard. Um, but those are two impacts that, that right away that, that, that come to mind for me, um, as, as potential, you know, consequences of him finishing out the tournament and he shot 69 today. So he took it. You yeah. know, he went out there and he hustled his ass off and and played some real good golf. I mean, I think Justin Rose would have liked yeah. to have shot sixty nine today. Oh yeah, DJ yeah, yeah. would have liked to have shot sixty nine today. I mean, you know, there's some guys who really would have uh, would have loved to have had the, the round that Lefty had. So I, I just you know it, it's it's gonna go. It's gonna be a while before anybody gets over this.
1: Yeah, now I'm watching uh, Ian O'Connor walk by, and I have not read his piece yet. But he had an interesting quote from the Standard Bearer that at the time Phil said, uh, "I don't know what my score was, and I don't care." Of course, he, you know his story changed when he came in; that he knew exactly what he was doing. But but here here was the more disturbing argument that I heard from a lot of people. Well, if he he wasn't in contention, so what's the big deal? And so I asked all these people. So what? First of all, by the way. Had he shot um, 74 yesterday, 73, oh, yeah, he's in contention. So this, the way the day unfolded. Um, But how do you draw the line between what's in contention and not when it's just simply poor behavior? It's just so, because he, he, first he hits a horrific putt, okay? So first take man up and take responsibility for a bad putt. Hey, Evan. Uh, And then second of all, (laughs) <laughs> he, 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 you know, to claim that this was some grand vision of his that he's been thinking about doing is really disturbing. Um, you, you, you don't play golf. It's outrageous. To, it's a to, it's an outrage. to bend the spirit of the rules, and I'm, I'm not a rules freak, but come on, man, I like I, you got to have some respect for the spirit of the rules, and to show that, and then the USGA um, bungled this two ways. One their discussion with him was on the course. They always bring these guys in and look at it on video and have the discussion after the round. For some reason, they did it on the course. Then they buy his story, hook, line, and sinker. Okay, fine. Maybe he gives the committee man a good explanation. You know, uh, the people involved are... are what do you uh, mean? I don't Thomas understand Pagel that. Thomas well, is in charge of the... the
0: there's, there's no explanation. He intentionally well, we hit a moving We've, ball. What, what could he say? What's the explanation? Did you intentionally hit the moving ball? Yes.
1: Well, guess what? The videotape sure does say so. But he took, he, the rules allow because he took a sh- stroke at a moving ball as opposed what? to just stopping it. Shut that the, the rule fuck up. allowed. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. Get yeah, the we don't want to go into that rat rattle. Sorry, F bomb land. So then here's the second thing that the, the USGA did that I didn't understand. And we asked, okay, so did you hear what he told us in the media, what he told Curtis Strange? And the fact that he and Beef were laughing about it, and and did you, so compared to the explanation you got on course, when he since then revealed this intent element, um, did you take that information and reassess? And they chose not to, and they had an avenue, as you know, House, from reading some of these uh, fine explanations, uh, to determine this to be a serious breach of etiquette. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, concept that allowed it allowed them to it's it's under a rule that allowed them to basically keep tiger in the tournament in 2015 but it also allows them to to send him home and send him on his way and they chose not to do that and david fay on the broadcast who who does not like to put himself out there on these situations said he would have made that case for that um and i most of the pieces I read felt that would have been the proper um, way to go about this because once you have a player kind of openly admitting the intent and the intent to bend the spirit of the rules, uh, I, I just don't I don't know what the negative is in making an example out of him unless the concern is that the average sports fan out there will say, oh, what a weird sport, man. What's going on? But how – I just don't know anybody who saw that who knows anything about sports who would look at that. And and, although I shouldn't say that, I got 400 replies from them all telling me, good for him for knowing how to work the rules. Um, But most people, I don't think, would fault the USGA for disciplining somebody who behaved that way,
0: right? No chance, no chance, no chance. I mean, the thing that that letting him play today's round permits what it interjects into the conversation is a lot of cynical uh thinking from people like like me who say well who's the who's the one of the two biggest names left in the field who bought you know for all those people in new york new york has a love affair with phil yeah all those those sunday ticket holders for their father's day round who want to drive out to shinnecock hills from the city or the surrounding burbs in New York. They want to see Phil. Do you think that entered into the thinking? The USGA is receiving a huge check from Fox, and they have the option. We're weighing. Do we do we kick Phil's ass out of the, the tournament uh, t- today, or do we let him go ahead and, and play it on out on Sunday so that people get yeah. the benefit of seeing him some more? Now that That's cynical thinking, um,
1: and I'm owning oh, I that have no, cynical thinking. Yeah, no, I think it's actually even a little bit beyond that. So you probably don't know much about Frank Hannigan, but he was the old executive director of the USGA and he used to write commentaries before he passed away that I would post on my site and a a very uh, curmudgeonly man um, and a brilliant, brilliant man and funny as can be. And he had a, an ongoing issue with his former organization that they made too many decisions out of a desire to be loved. And, this was another one of those decisions where you sense that had it been Vijay Singh or Patrick Reed, they wouldn't have had a problem pulling the trigger uh, on on the uh, rule 1-2 as opposed to the one they chose. Uh, even though I do understand their explanation, it's some wacky stuff. But they could have then gone to the, the breach of etiquette clause, and and I'm pretty sure that many other players would not have gotten the benefit of the doubt of Phil. But they want to be... Loved to a point where and this is what's so disturbing about this for me uh is that they are people who in, are in charge of the rules of golf, and when push came to shove, they didn't not only did they not show an interest in considering that option, they really kind of worked to almost clear phil uh in a way in their in their comments, and I thought that the way Joe Buck pressed. John Bodenhammer and Mike Davis in the booth was absolutely brilliant and also stunning. I mean, here was the the partner network of Fox, of uh, the USGA, and he Joe was asking questions as you would hope of, uh, to address sort of the general observer of this incident's main concerns and 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 confusion. And it was it was an incredible scene. Um, and and he did a great job uh, of doing it without being being mean, and and uh, so I I think it's going to be an ongoing story. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And and again, it's not it's not something about I want yeah uh, because you, you, you get a lot of the answers as you know house about oh it's just you old fuddy duddies and and trying no, to no no oh, that's not no it's the look of it it's the, and by the way of course. And, 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 I mean, there, and, and this is going to get into the betting situation um, down right. the road. If a guy did this, sure. and as Paul Azinger said, you know, he does. He's he suddenly. Wait a second. This is the kind of thing where then a, one player sees it and somebody else tries it. My God, if this went on and became a like the backstopping became something that became a practice, it, it, the game would just it just would just be considered a a, a farce. People would not take it's- professional golf seriously. It's a it's an integrity of the game thing. That's why it's not
0: going to go sure. away. That's why it shouldn't go away. That's why no. he should uh, uh, apologize properly. And that's why I think there should be some additional kind of of punishment. Now, I don't know what form or shape it might take, but it's about the integrity of the game. Now, I I you since this is a TBD, uh, you know, we're this is going to be an ongoing conversation. Um, let's go ahead and talk about you. Just um, heaped a lot of praise on on Joe Buck. Uh, I want to talk about the Fox uh, okay. coverage. What I got to think? see a fair amount of it um, over the course of of the the four days, and I will say a, a couple things. Um, two like big picture things. One one big picture thing. I think they really got um, comfortable this year with the tone of treating this thing like the the big time event that it is it just felt Mm -hmm. important the way that they presented the coverage and and you know the entirety of of all the folks that they brought in they had a really great rotating cast not just of of um that folks handling the, the announcing responsibilities but um you know luminaries from 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 across the golf world Offering insights and commentary. Well, okay, and now let's let's
1: hold on. Let's calm down a little. The five minute interview with uh, Bill Bill Hemmer. Of I'm not a Fox uh, Morning Show watcher. Okay, I, is he? That's not a golf luminary, That's not a golf luminary. Okay, that was that was. A little, you were a out playing luminary. with your people in the member guests, but that interview was painful. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, be- well, not because of Holly's fault, By the way, that was just some Fox synergy thing that somebody said. Oh, Bill lives in the Hamptons right. and loves. He'll mention CB McDonald. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That'll be perfect great. for the announcer changeover. <laughs> <laughs> kind of made yeah. me long for a CEO interview. Anyway, but yes.
0: <laughs> um, uh, so the the other thing that I that I very much liked, and I um I don't know how to solve this. We've complained about it in connection with uh, other other events. Now you can't have this for for every tournament, um but the wall to wall coverage is is just awesome. I mean the fact that you could, uh, whatever time I was up this morning, I put it on. I don't know what actual time yeah, but- it came on. I just know that when I was up and about, I was watching golfers play Shinnecock Hills, you know, professional golf in our, in the, in one of the four majors that that's awesome that that wall to wall coverage component of it is excellent.
1: Yeah. And they struggled with that the first couple of years, I think the, the length of that telecast and it seemed like their new announced rotation. I I had a few people complain there weren't enough announcers, uh, so they can't really win, but I thought that, um, it felt like they were really fresh down the stretch Um, on what is really a hard day to stay focused especially after yesterday which had to be an incredibly uh taxing day for their crew and for the announcers because yeah I just like I had a five minute appearance on live from last night to discuss the weather and the setup and uh I mean it's stressful in the sense that I'm choosing my words carefully and uh, there are a lot of different things on the line you don't want to say incorrectly and or make poor accusations. Well, that's five minutes. I, you know, to try to carry that over that length of a, a broadcast, and obviously David Fay was put in a very awkward position as the, the 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 most recent executive director before Mike Davis, and he was involved in the 2004 uh, event which we documented, and and I mean it was a total déjà vu all over, all over again situation. So. The, I felt like that was the case. And and then, I mean, brilliant move, brilliant move by Fox um, uh, to have Curtis Strange do that interview with uh, Phil Mickelson. Uh, Phil made him wait a long time. It pulled Curtis off the golf course from the leaders, but it was such an important interview. To, uh, to, and And only he could have that gravitas as a two-time U.S. Open champion to look him in the eye, I think, and... Convey um, concern and maybe I mean I thought Curtis I stood right there I was kind of down low with my in my little tape recorder on my phone and he conveyed enough disdain without being rude uh, and his tone spoke volumes and now if Shane O'Donohue who was doing interviews projected that tone well um, he's you know Shane O'Donohue uh, working for Fox and he's a television person this is Curtis Strange a two time U.S. Open winner, a great, great golfer, and so brilliant move there to have him handle that. I thought that was uh, uh, a huge. I don't know how it looked on the coverage because again, I was, I was down there listening to it and kind of trying to take it all in. And then you know, on the tech side, house, what 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 stood out? I mean, obviously, the the mics in the cup were just uh, huge on so many fronts. I, I felt like they cut back a few things. Well, yeah. um, I mean,
0: did there, they may uh, have the I, World Cup,
1: you know, maybe uh, thinning things out a little bit too. Fox is spread pretty thin right now.
0: The, the the cost benefit of the tech, so that we had audio difficulties, was that on Thursday? Uh, y- yes. Yes. And what was the? I never went. Oh, know, we don't need to read the see- transcript
1: of what was picked okay. up. Yeah, and they did. They had some. They had a, an outage, and they had some things picked up on microphones that weren't good, and then just was some noise that was picked up. So yeah, they struggled with some sound, but obviously the tracers sensational. All the graphic stuff they do with pointing where the flag is, and um, but look, they th- did. Th- they, they really are
0: continue to set
1: the standard
0: for what we want in major tournaments in terms of presenting the 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 competitive golf in a way because you you cannot see the ball especially at a, at a venue as bright as Shinnecock you can pick it up off the player's club you can try and guess what direction without the tracer the tracer we would be lost
1: yeah and they uh, man when you see how that works and what it takes to get that tracer it's it's hard work when you see how many guys are in the crew out in the fairway to do it but gosh it's worth it uh, yeah like uh, like
0: Tommy Fleetwood's eighth second shot on eighteen that beautiful tracer of that, that's like a, you know, could have been an iconic, uh, uh, us open shot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, um, it's something that they're very passionate about. I, I thought they did their usual great job of kind of capturing the architecture, either the, the aerials or the maps. Um, and, and they gave you a good feel of this golf course, um, so it, to me it was it was a, a solid broadcast. I, I, you know I, I think that a lot of people were uh, critical of the sound situation understandably so those things happen and, and it's rough. but um, all in all, I'm with you I, 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 I will take the, the mistakes or, or the things occasionally not working for the effort that they make to to go the extra mile. Um, uh, but it also also, uh, it shows you how polished in terms of production values CBS and NBC are. So, there's got to be some place that that uh, kind of captures uh what, what we want and kind of pushing things forward, but also <laughs> being technically sound. But golf is tough, it's really a tough yeah, sport to do. And, and this place is uh, it was a tough property, man. Dusty, bumpy roads, uh, that wears those those people down uh trying to get around a golf course you you now when you see one like this where they don't come very often you realize the value of of roads and some of the things that make it easier for uh, a broadcast crew over the course of such long days to uh just you know cut down on a couple of the little mistakes or, or whatever it is but um, um I, all, I, all in all yeah good uh, grades all all. good grades I, I i
0: think we're going to see great grades tomorrow, you know, from the, the television folks. it will be interesting. Know, I, that, I'll be
1: curious. Yeah, I you know I, I think f- it's
0: going to be great grades.
1: Yeah, and again, I didn't see a lot, big chunks of the coverage, um, but I, I think they'll probably focus in on the coverage of, of Phil and then um, getting the interview with Mike Davis and John Bodenhammer And good on them for going in and facing up. And and of course, by the way, we we should know it, and we ripped them on the setup, but there was a key distinction in this. Mike did admit error which the folks in 2004 absolutely did not do and dug in. If you want to see that, it is a stark contrast to what Mike uh and John did, especially Mike when they came in the booth and that I linked that feature on my site. It's apparently going to stay up even though we have all sorts of uh, footage. So uh we're very proud of it uh and I worked on a on it with a producer named Dominic D'Stalley and and it uh, it was uh and now it's kind of fascinating to look at in light of what we just saw this year and it, it probably puts right. things into context for for those uh who who did not watch that uh, 2004 US Open um house any uh i mean there's just just so much we could we could do but i any uh Important notes that we should know from the the member guest. Any you know uh, observation? Uh, you were done with the event by the time the fill thing happened, so there probably wasn't a lot of chatter, right? On that, yeah. So because I, I love hearing kind of what's going I, I on in the golf quite world how people saw some of this stuff. Uh, what one parting shot for you, Shack? Here, here's
0: one for you: uh, the top twenty-five fishers. Now it's a big number of folks uh, going through T twenty-five. 9 major winners in the in the top 25. So classy leaderboard. Yeah, Exactly what you want out of out of this event, you know, uh really nice mix of guys who who aspire to to jump through and 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 you know crack the become first time major winners. Some old souls, Steve Stricker in there, still kick that? along with a top How about 25. Him and hanging yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then Amazing. you know guys that you you would expect Hideki's in there, uh, uh, Stenson's in there, uh, Berger, you know, that's a pretty good showing for him. Um, and then I, so I, I like sort of how we are positioned as the open championship looms on the horizon (laughs) at the end of July.
1: Can I just, uh, yeah, I I do too. And, and um, you know, who knows with Tiger and Phil what what, what that's uh, all about. But uh, the, the Open Championship is one that's made for both of those. To me, is the, is the most likely candidate for them to play well. But, House, I wanted a, a one betting thing. I, I, and I don't want to go down a rat hole. But I talked you out of the 65.5 uh, uh, over under. Um, it held up, obviously, until today's setup. And I'm curious, you know, as sports betting becomes legalized, and here here was a situation where they basically artificially uh, influenced the course setup in because they had made a mistake, and I just wonder how some people who 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 took the over are feeling um, in light of what occurred. Uh, I, Thoughts? I, I would, Prayers? I would say, <laughs>
0: I would say, if it was me and I had taken the over, I'm, I would be disappointed, but I wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't feel like an injustice was done because mm. you okay. understand when you when you place that wager that the one of the variables that you can't control, but you know that that is 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 out there is course setup and. If if the wind had blown in the morning, you know, there was a forecast for higher wind today and we were expecting this was, you know, a lot of folks who who had wagered on Tommy Fleetwood were hoping for that wind to arrive about when it was forecast. But what if the wind had come in in the earlier part of the day Mm -hmm. and notwithstanding Mm -hmm. the setup and that that would have eliminated there were only two guys that did it. It was Fowler and Fleetwood um, that went under. So I I wouldn't have left this with a sour
1: taste in my mouth. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, I I, uh, right? I, I just was curious. Um, by the way, one of the names you mentioned, of course, was Daniel Berger House, uh, yeah. this week, and he, you know, that was just an amazing round yesterday, and so he got a great experience being in that last group, getting announced at that incredible scene at the at the clubhouse here, uh, and House, you know, he has a fascinating bag. Uh, he of course uses an epic driver, but he is a rogue man with the fairway wood, and it's a four wood, it's a seventeen degree. Uh, oh. and i just thought that was kind of a cool setup i did not know that and of course by the way house the rogue fairway wood features jailbreak technology which i think you know and i think i even hit like two or three maybe on the screws in the two da- rounds we played i also hit some <laughs> um some really screwy ones but uh anyway it's the number one selling fairway wood model in the u.s just thought i'd point that out from our friends at callaway callawaygolf.com
0: well, I just like that that there's a forward. I might have to get a forward in my bag instead of the five wood. Don't, don't, don't try it go... you now.
1: You're not. You're not Daniel Berger. So, but go on. Uh, or oh, right. I have to send all you right. your back your uh, wood that ended up in my bag. I will do that uh, yeah. when I get home. Go on. Yeah, we're not going to name names. No, we I, I
0: I I will uh, uh, pass along our thanks once again to Proper Cloth, the leader in men's custom shirts. We might have some trouble finding shirts that fit. We know Brooks Kepka is going to have a hard time finding a shirt that fits after he's making the Hulk muscles all week long and how he Boy. conquered Shitacock Hills. At propercloth.com, ordering custom shirts has never been easier. You create your custom shirt size by answering 10 easy questions. Shirts start at 80 bucks and are delivered in just two weeks. Perfect fit is guaranteed if a shirt doesn't fit. They remake it for free. That means the whole process is risk-free. For premium, quality, perfect fitting shirts, visit propercloth.com slash ShackHouse and use gift code SHACKHouse to get $20 off your first
1: custom shirt today. All right, House, we're going to digest this U.S. Open, and then just like that, we're going to be getting ready for the Scottish Open. We've got uh, uh, Tiger Woods and the Quickie coming up in uh, your neck of the woods uh, excuse me, the national. It's no longer the quick and loans. And then just like that, it'll be the open championship. So exciting, fun time, part of the season. Can't wait to keep talking more golf with you. Yeah. I mean, we're right now in the full throes of, of,
0: uh, early summer golf. I couldn't be more excited. We're going to cover those things as well as some delicious things I might be eating at the national here in DC on all of our upcoming shack. broadcasts, which are all part of the Ringer Podcast Network.